It's 11.30 at KRVN on this Thursday, August 5th. It's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for choosing the Rural Voice of Nebraska. Good show coming up for you here on this Thursday. We have a, a lot of content on the way. Jason Jorgensen will step into his sports. He'll tell us how the Olympics are going so far. And some uh, more medals were handed out today in favor of the U.S., Bob Rogan will take a look at how stocks are performing on Thursday. I believe they're up a little bit so far. We'll get that here in just a couple of minutes. And then, of course, in about 15 minutes, we'll catch up with our own Paul Perkins to tell us how warm it's going to get and if we have a chance for showers later on this afternoon into this evening. But let's head down the road to our office in Lincoln. Our own Susan Littlefield is joining us. And, Susan, I feel like the last couple of weeks, every time we've talked, you've been in a different area, including right now. You're not hearing me? There we go. There okay. we, now we're good to go. Susan, I was saying a minute ago, I said, I feel like you uh, have been in a different area each time that uh, you and I have talked. I know. Isn't it cool? I, I love being on the road and getting to go to meetings and see producers and growers and just learn. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was a good turnout for the governor's conference yesterday in Kearney. It was crazy. I mean, the rooms were packed, the conversations. It was what I think the best part about it was you brought agriculture and development together, Mm. economic development, people that normally don't mingle at meetings because their meetings aren't together, Mm. and some amazing water cooler hallway conversations. Yeah, great content uh, from what we've heard as well, and we look forward to getting more out of that uh, in the near future. But what do you have for us coming up today? We'll kick it all off here at 1219. I'll be speaking with Brian Healy. Brian is the Director of Global Ethanol Market Development for the U.S. Grains Council. We talk about ethanol more on a global demand and what he is seeing. This comes from last week's meeting with the U.S. Grains Council. Then at 1245, Terry Brandstad was the keynote speaker yesterday for the Governor's Ag and Economic Development Summit. And he spoke with reporters afterwards as we asked him questions, everything from phase one to African swine fever. So we'll hear about that. And then at 117, Bryce will step in as we learn about Marble Technologies. It's a business that's working to automate some processes in meatpacking facilities. So that's a midday from the farm team. All right. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. I will. You too. Thank you very much. Let's now turn things over to Jason Jorgensen and an Olympic update for us. A U.S. men, uh, they got up to a rough start, but eventually came back to blow out Australia in 97-78. That means the U.S. will take on France and the gold medal game. Keep in mind, France had beaten Team USA earlier this Olympics, but uh, good news for the Olympics, at uh, least a... Uh, Team USA on that front. Also, the American A team has advanced on to the gold medal match of the Olympic Beach Volleyball Tournament as they were able to knock off Switzerland, so there's a chance there. However, not all the news has been good. The men's 4x100 relay, the United States botched the handoff and no medal. Mm-hmm. Finished sixth. Uh, Carl Lewis was on Twitter criticizing those guys. Yeah, he no. did not waste any time. No, <laughs> but he knows. Right, he's got street cred when it comes to that. <laughs> and football is officially back tonight. Yeah. Hall of Fame game. We will now not have a single week without a football game. Look we forward hope. to that. We hope. True. With COVID, anything can happen. All right, Bob. How are stocks looking so far? A little bit higher. Investors are reviewing some encouraging jobs market data and some uh, corporate earnings reports, and so things are up. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits fell last week by uh, 14,000. More evidence that the economy and the job market are rebounding. So those stories are making headlines today. All right. Thank you. Thanks.
It is time for regional ag weather updates, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins is joining us now, and Paul, some areas last night received a decent amount of rain. Yeah, uh, Nor- uh, Aurora with the 6,400s of rain. Uh, the McCook area had 8,300s of rain. A lot of other locations, just some light, light or trace amounts, including uh, the Lexington area, uh, just a few hundreds of rain, but uh, and also a few hundreds of rain towards the Grand Island area. Much of the Tri-Cities just getting a little bit of rain mm-hmm. as it kind of faded out, moving off towards the east. And there's a chance maybe this afternoon and tonight. Yeah, a little bit of a thunderstorm activity, but mainly in the eastern areas. And it looks like that focus of some thunderstorms is really starting to push more towards the east. A trough of low pressure moving through a lot of the clouds right now from about Omaha down to Beatrice and points to the southeast. That's probably where the better chance of some thunderstorms may fire today. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to amount to a whole lot, though. Okay, well, we'll see what happens there. Otherwise, today is... The beginning of what is to come in terms of the heat. Yeah, starting up a warming trend. Those temperatures right now in the upper 70s to the low 80s. Also starting to feel a little more humidity. Those dew points right now into the low to mid 60s for most of us. But we are seeing some dew points up around 70 as you head towards the York area. And also some upper 60s to low 70s for dew points from York basically on up to Columbus and the Omaha area. Today, sunny and hazy with some slightly warmer than usual temperatures. Right near a trough of low pressure in central and eastern areas of Nebraska. Some afternoon heaney could lead to some mainly isolated thunderstorms. And it's going to be mainly in eastern areas of central Nebraska into the east part of the state. Any storms should stay to the north of I-80. A few of those could be strong. The heat returns for tomorrow. Highs on into the mid to upper 90s. Scattered thunderstorms a possibility by tomorrow night with the approach of a low pressure trough and a cold front. Severe weather not expected, but a few storms once again could be on the strong side. Behind that front, Saturday cools back to slightly above average on the temperatures. Sunday and Monday look to be hot once again. A ridge of high pressure building up from the desert southwest with the heat. Also increasing humidity could make it feel like it's in the low to mid 100s. Our temperatures cool slightly for Tuesday and Wednesday. A few thunderstorms possible for Monday night into Wednesday with some passing disturbances. For the long-term forecast, above normal temperatures continue to be likely for Nebraska, Kansas and much of the U.S. Tuesday through August 18th. Nebraska and Kansas rainfall through that time Tuesday through the 18th predicted to be below normal for both Nebraska and Kansas. Checking the regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped six percentage points, now down to 25% drought-free in Nebraska. No dryness concerns once again from around the near the Kearney area, down to around Cambridge and eastward to Red Cloud in much of the eastern part of the state and in parts of the Sandhills from southwest Cherry County down to the counties of McPherson, Arthur, and Garden. Now much of the rest in Nebraska is abnormally dry to a moderate drought. There is severe to extreme drought around Thayer and Jefferson counties, also the southwest Lincoln County down to Dundee and Hitchcock counties, and right along the South Dakota border in the northeast part of Nebraska. Kansas dropped 7 percentage points to 63% drought-free. Much of central and northwest Kansas abnormally dry to a moderate drought. We are starting to see some severe drought pop up in Rawlings County of the northwest. Weather factors driving the market trade include a brief change of active weather across the Corn Belt and the continuation of hot and dry weather for parts of Russia. The Midwest expects several rounds of rain. Isolated rain today and tomorrow in the Northwest Midwest turns more active for all of the Midwest this weekend into next week, potentially bringing some good rain to drought areas while corn and soybeans fill. In the Southern Plains, mild temperatures now slowly rising through the weekend before a cool down next week. The Northern Plains drought areas even expect some 
Several chances for at least some scattered rain starting tomorrow and running through next week. The eastern Black Sea will be hot and dry this next week. Scattered showers continue through Ukraine and northwest Russia through the next week. But southwest Russia staying mostly dry with above normal temperatures through next week. Russia may get a break in their hot and dry weather late next week. It would be nice if the slight chance of thunderstorms would go away and just make it a uh, probable chance, a <laughs> yeah. likely chance. It's so needed across the area because mm-hmm. that yeah, Nebraska, as we saw, continuing to slip further into drought, now down to, to only 25% of the state drought-free. Mm. Kansas, pretty good shape, but uh, all of us could use some rain. All right. Well, hopefully that comes, and hopefully some areas at least receive more than, uh, I guess, any, anything at this point. Much needed for sure. All right, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Our weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Authority is still there to spread the news about ethanol and that it's available to all drivers. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During last week's U.S. Grains Council meeting, I sat down with Brian Healy. He serves as a director of global ethanol market development for the U.S. Grains Council. And that's that's our role is to make sure that folks do know that it is available. Um, you know, a lot of countries, uh, when they first set uh, renewable fuels policies 10, 15 years ago, uh, had limited domestic production. Um, some have, have been able to uh, increase that production. Uh, others have not. And so left those policies kind of off on the books, but off the table in terms of actual implementation. Um, You've seen countries uh, announce these net carbon uh, neutral policies, varying timelines, 20, 30, 40, 50. Um, And so it's our role to make sure that they understand uh, that ethanol is a pathway to make those reductions. Um, You know, we've got the Paris Agreement commitments, that sort of that multilateral global effort, uh, countries making their, uh, you know, declarations of how they can contribute to reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And then on top of that or separate from that, is these longer-term country-specific targets. And so our overseas offices today are uh, working to demonstrate, again, how ethanol is a pathway of making those reductions. Do you see, Brian, some some bigger opportunities coming our way globally for ethanol as more and more countries step into that role? Yeah, I, I mean, today, any country that is in the process of identifying ways to decarbonize is an opportunity for the industry. Um, our goal has always been to grow global use. Um, this is the, the way that, that we see an opportunity and path forward, uh, and that's why we've been so aggressive in this space. For you, what type of feedback have you gotten from members as they learn more about the works that U.S. Grains is doing to promote ethanol? Uh, they're supportive of what we've done so far and they want us to keep charging forward. Um, everyone that I've talked to uh, has been really supportive of this global effort. Uh, they recognize the importance of uh, e- exports uh, and global trade as a mechanism uh, to support this industry. Um, and, you know, these policy announcements around the world help. So we've gotten positive feedback from feedstock producers and the ethanol producers themselves. What is the current state, though, of trade when we look at the full global picture? So the biggest recovery is the, the uh, fuel market 
markets. Um, you know, last year when we had that global drop in gasoline demand uh, because of the stay-at-home orders, uh, you know, we of course lost some ethanol markets because of that, or or you know, temporary reductions. So we're seeing upticks in in that market demand as well. Uh, right now, we're at about a billion gallons of exports through the first nine months of this marketing year, uh, which will end here in August. Had some challenges, of course. Uh, we've got some trade policy issues with Brazil with their 20% tariff. Uh, China is a market that came out of nowhere. They're at about 130 million gallons so far this year. And then we've got strong support from the industrial use markets. India is a good market, uh, South Korea, and even Nigeria. Uh, I think most folks don't know that, that Nigeria is an important market for us. Um, and it's certainly one we want to convey to this administration. Curious your thoughts on, on the Ag Secretary's comments. You know, A, what's happening in the U.S. fuel markets uh, and vehicle markets, um, and you know, where's kind of the world headed? Our narrative is, one, increase what you're, what you're doing today. You, you can make significant reductions without any changes, but also we have a product uh, that can uh, you know, continue to support those reductions in the long term. Part of my conversation with Brian Healy during the U.S. Grains Council meeting. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. A block party. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is joining us and Husker Fall Camp back at it once again. Yeah, they were on the uh, practice field again this morning. Yesterday, offensive coordinator Matt Lubick, he met with the media and there was a lot of questions about the Husker running back situation. Lubick says they hope they have their guy by the first week of the season. Mar- Marquis Step, the transfer, he he's done some really good things and this is really his first time taking reps because he was hurt in the spring and he looks 100% ready to roll. Uh, Savion Morrison is rep with the ones and twos. He's doing some really good things. Gabe Irvin has made big steps, which we expected because you're a freshman. And your, your biggest steps you make, he was actually here in the spring, is from spring to fall. So he, he's doing some really good things. Now, while head coach Scott Frost has said this preseason, that's not a concern for him. I, I think it is. Nebraska has to, they got to find a guy. They, they, they could use a dude or two back there. And I think they have a couple of guys that are more than capable, but. Is someone going to step up and be the, the featured back? We'll see. But, yeah, it's, it's a question mark. Nobody if, knows. If Adrian Martinez is this team's leading rusher again, <laughs> that's not a good thing. No, that's not. Listen, he can run. That's good, especially the way that the offense plays. But that's not his great strong suit. No. One, it puts him in more chances to, to lose the ball. Mm-hmm. He's had problems fumbling. Mm-hmm. And two, you risk him getting hurt. Which he's had as well. Yeah, and they he's got to stay upright and yeah. take nourishment this fall for the big red. <laughs> Kevin Durant and the Americans still have their grip on gold, and it's going to take more than a few bad minutes for anyone to take it away from them. Durant scored 23 points. Devin Booker had 20 as the U.S. blew past and eventually blew out Australia 97-78 in the Olympic men's basketball semifinals. They actually were down in that game by 15. They turned it around. They appear to be coming together a little bit, gelling, which makes sense since this team was pretty much just thrown together with some NBA guys who wanted to go hoop it up. Listen, they have the best players on the world playing right now for the most part. The issue is, and they're all all stars, obviously, a lot of those future Hall of Famers. The issue is trying to make those guys all play together is not the easiest thing because they all have so many different styles and they want the ball. 
I can't imagine that's easy to try to assemble a team like that. No, even though they all want to be there, and they're right. all pulling the rope mm-hmm. in the same direction. Mm-hmm. It takes time. They'll take on France, who beat them mm-hmm. early in the Olympics. Here's a good note for Team USA. Ryan Krauser has broken his own Olympic record on his way to defending his shot put title. On his last attempt, he went over 23 meters to earn the first track and field gold for the American men at the Tokyo Games. If you haven't seen that throw, you got to check that mm-hmm. out. He put a charge into that one. He knew it as soon as he let it go. That was was a winner. I'll have to find that. I didn't see it, but I'll have to find that He already was a world record holder. Mm -hmm. News not as good for America's men's 4x100 meter relay team. They're out of medal contention. They finished just sixth in their heat due to a rotten handoff. The U.S. hasn't won the Olympic 4x100 since 2000 Mm. and hasn't made it cleanly to the finish line in the finals since taking a silver in 2012. Mm. One of those events the U.S. used to dominate, not so much anymore. And you mentioned earlier last hour that they were getting called out by a former Olympian. Yeah, Carl Lewis got on Twitter and blasted those guys. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got the street cred to do it. He does, and it's, you know, it's kind of nice to listen. He's still invested, those guys still watching, you know, wanting I America mean, to. I mean, to, when Carl Lewis speaks, she probably should listen. Yeah, well, maybe he can train him for next <laughs> maybe, time. Maybe, I don't know, Tyler. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. In Nebraska. Living Out Loud, a free outdoor Christian music concert and free family event funded entirely by private donations will return later this month to Gothenburg at the Lake Helen Recreation Area after taking a year off in 2020 due to COVID-19. On Saturday, August 21st, beginning at 4.45 p.m., Skillet, Matt Marr, Kane, and Wilson, and All the Noise will perform live. The event had modest beginnings, drawing a few hundred people when it first began years ago. In 2019, it drew an estimated crowd of more than 15,000 people. One of the directors of the event, Kobe Rickardson, was asked whether there was ever some fear that the event would be planned and no one would show up. (laughs) I think uh, most of us are pretty faithful in the sense that... uh you know, that we felt like we were doing the right thing. We just, but, uh, yeah, there's always that concern that, you know, you go to a lot of work and, and then you never know what's going to happen. But we kind of put it in God's hands, and so far he's taken pretty good care of us. On Sunday, August 22nd at 10.45 a.m., a community worship service will be held featuring all the noise with guest speaker Keith Becker. See livingoutloud.org for more information. Search crews are looking for a missing seven-year-old boy believed to have fallen into the Missouri River. Rescue teams and police were called just before 6 p.m. on Tuesday after the boy went missing at NP Dodge Park along the riverside in North Omaha. Police say the boy, identified by police as A.B. Gurung, was at the park with family members and was last seen playing in the river. Family members told officials they were not sure whether he had run off or been swept away in the water. Rescue teams searched the river and area for about three hours before calling off the search once it got dark. The search resumed on Wednesday morning. A 47-year-old Kansas woman has been sentenced to nearly 10 years in prison for the 2019 killing of her boyfriend at an underground gambling operation she ran in Wichita. Stacy Jeannie Peters of Hayesville was sentenced Wednesday in Sedgwick County District Court to 117 months in prison. Peters pleaded guilty in June to second-degree murder and commercial gambling. Prosecutors say officers found the body of 41-year-old Robert Duvall 
inside a building in South Wichita on November 19, 2019, after Peters called 911 to report she had shot an intruder. Police quickly determined Duvall had been dead for some time before Peters' call. Police also discovered an illegal gambling hall inside the building that Peters was operating. As students across Nebraska return to school, the Drug Enforcement Administration Omaha Division is reminding families to make time for conversations about the dangers of drugs and is encouraging discussions on the risk of overdose with counterfeit pills. The DEA has seen a surge in counterfeit pills with 26% of the pills examined in 2019 containing a potentially lethal dose, 2 milligrams or more of fentanyl. This marks an increase from 2017 when 10% of the pills examined contained potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. For more information on the drugs students may be exposed to or for tips on talking with your family members about drugs, visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.gov or JustThinkTwice.gov. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellens. For 70 years, KRBN, The River, and Cami has been on the air serving ag producers in Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, South Dakota, and Iowa. That's a big reason to celebrate with a big prize. KRBN is going platinum this summer, giving you the chance to win a brand new Ruby Red 2020 Ram 3500 Dually Pickup with a Hillsboro aluminum flatbed. KRBN is going platinum with the help of Faw's Garage, Arapahoe, Faw Motor Company, Cambridge, Lashley Land and Recreational Brokers, and Eustace Body shop with locations in Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. We're giving you a lot of ways to register to win. Stop by one of the many registration locations across the state. Come see us at a summer event and listen for your chance to call in and register on air. Register at Cornerstone Bank, Franklin, Hildreth, and the East Bank in York. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington. And JM's Cards and Gifts, Cozad. Get details at krvn.com. Act Room, lots of education, lots of talk about agriculture and economic development and how they're going to work together. That was part of the Governor's Ag and Economic Development Summit that took place yesterday in Kearney. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The keynote speaker to the event happened to be Terry Branstead. He was a U.S. ambassador to China from 2017 to 2021, also the longest-serving governor in U.S. history. During an opportunity to speak with reporters, I asked Ambassador Branstead about African swine fever and us, do we trust the numbers, do we not trust the numbers, and the information coming out of China. Uh, of course, they were hit hard by the African swine fever while we were there. Uh, unfortunately, the Chinese government is very opaque and doesn't share information as much, and we tried to offer help and assistance in everywhere we could. Of course, we have... Uh, uh, a pretty good presence of our agriculture people there at the uh, embassy, and uh, we're, you know, we're very concerned about not having African swine fever come to the United States. And in fact, in Des Moines, we oftentimes host the World uh, Pork Conference, and that was uh, postponed. And it was uh, not held for a couple of years because of fear about uh, African swine fever. And we've tried to do what we can, and of course, we've been trying to help the Chinese rebuild their herd. And they have half the pork in the world in China, and that's their favorite source of protein is pork. So it's very important. Uh, They've made progress, but they still have had some reoccurrence at different locations in China. It's a big country, 
and uh, uh, I think they've learned a lot in uh, in food security uh, through this process. Uh, we went through that with the uh, avian bird flu uh, several years ago in this country. So uh, uh, they're in the process of rebuilding their herd, and one of the reasons why they've had to purchase a significant amount of corn and soybeans from us in the United States is to rebuild that. Uh, that's that's what pigs eat, corn and soybeans. And it comes as no surprise, phase one was brought up. First to see, will this new administration be accountable for all the discussions that happened in the past administration in setting up the phase one trade deal? They haven't made any really significant changes yet, and uh, we're concerned for instance, we don't want uh, the administration to trade off the progress that we made on trade uh, in order to uh, have the Chinese make some promise on global climate change, which they won't fulfill. Uh, we're concerned that they have a history of not fulfilling promises, and we need to have agreements like the Phase One Trade Agreement, and we need to enforce that. And the administration, I think, has to do that uh, it's, it's, it's too early to know. Uh, many of their, their staff have not been confirmed by the Senate yet, and consequently uh, we really won't know uh, what, if any, changes will occur until um, probably many months from now after the administration has more of their, because they, they have the Secretary of State, but they don't have the deputies and many of the people, and the same thing is true with the uh, uh, people that do the trade agreements. So many of those people have not been named, let alone confirmed yet. So I followed up with the ambassador to ask what was one thing we've learned from the phase one trade deal that we can utilize as we move forward with further discussions with China? Well, I think what we've learned is that uh, we're the two biggest economies in the world. China has a huge population. They have a growing middle class. They have a demand for more uh, protein and more um, safe and reliable food supply, and America is the best in the world at producing that. And so it's in both of our countries' interest to do that. Uh, the price of corn in China is about $10 a bushel. So we think it's pretty good here right now, but compared to what it is in China, uh, and, and they also have had some flooding and some weather issues this year as well. So we just need to build on the progress that's been made. I think Ambassador Lighthizer did a great job, was very focused, very manipulate, uh, very meticulous, and he built a good relationship with Liu He, who is their chief negotiator, and somebody who's close to Xi Jinping. So we need to continue that. And what was the ambassador's thoughts on intellectual property rights? Well, we even had a situation several years ago where uh, we caught a Chinese researcher stealing, I think, uh, uh, corn uh, technology from a pioneer in Iowa. And that person was prosecuted and whatever. But uh, that's one of the things we worked on in the phase one trade agreement is to trying to do a better job of protecting intellectual property rights in China, but certainly preventing them from stealing our technology. Uh, and that is an ongoing concern. Uh, we've made some progress, but we need to be uh, continually vigilant. 
because they have a history of doing that. The conversation with Terry Branstead, U.S. Ambassador to China from 2017 to 2021. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Ask Extension. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are higher on Wall Street as investors review encouraging jobs market data and a strong batch of corporate earnings reports. The S&P 500 index was up four-tenths of a percent in morning trading. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained five-tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq rose four-tenths of a percent. Gains were broad in what has been a choppy week of trading. More than 75% of companies in the benchmark S&P 500 rose with banks and a mix of consumer-facing companies leading the way. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits fell last week by 14,000. More evidence that the economy and the job market are rebounding briskly from the coronavirus recession. The Labor Department says unemployment claims dropped to 385,000 from a revised 399,000 the week before. The applications have more or less fallen steadily since topping 900,000 in early January. The U.S. trade deficit increased to a record $75.7 billion in June as a rebounding American economy sent demand for imports surging. The Commerce Department reports that the deficit rose 6.7% from a revised May deficit of $71 billion. The June deficit set a record, topping the old mark of $75 billion set in March. Moderna says its COVID-19 vaccine brought in more than $4 billion in second quarter sales, pushing the vaccine developer into a profit. The company also saying today that an analysis showed its vaccine remains 93% effective as much as six months after the second dose. The COVID-19 vaccine is Moderna's only commercially approved product. It also is developing several vaccines that aim to guard against the flu, Zika, and HIV, among other viruses. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. They want to automate labor-intensive meat processing tasks. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Marble Technologies is a startup company that is part of the Combine at Nebraska Innovation Campus. The Combine is a food and agriculture incubator that works with entrepreneurs to bring their idea into reality. Brittany Wondercheck is the Director of Business Development for Marble Technologies, and she describes what the company is doing. We're really focused on advancing food systems using AI, robotics, and process engineering to add resiliency really to the food supply chain. So currently we are automating tasks in meat processing, specifically beef and pork, because of how destabilizing the labor shortages and challenges have been from really the whole industry from farmer to consumer. So our overall goal is to relieve the bottleneck in meat processing. So we are bringing the best and brightest individuals from the industry and mashing them together with really talented engineers who've worked in biomedical and aerospace to apply their knowledge to this industry as well. So through this approach, we're identifying areas in meat processing from packaging all the way up to meat fabrication, really focused on those labor-intensive tasks that exist within the plant. So it sounds like the problem you're, you're trying to solve is some of the labor issues with this and replacing that with technology. Do I understand that right? Yes, that's absolutely right. So making those jobs a little bit easier, augmenting the tasks that the human operators are doing today, the labor issues in the processing industry were brought to light really with COVID-19, but 
these challenges have predated the pandemic, which we've conducted hundreds of conversations and interviews throughout the industry to come to that conclusion. And really, when we started this company, we had connections from the University of Nebraska reach out to us when COVID-19 came about and the spotlight was really placed on the labor situation. And they just felt like the timing was really right for someone to come in, solve these challenges, especially with it being such an important industry to Nebraska. So, Brittany, if you don't mind, share with our listeners about what that technology might look like and how that works when you when you do put this in a, in a meat processing plant. Uh, what's that actually look like? Yeah, so we are still working on our product. We're working towards a product unveiling in 2022. So... We are identifying the tasks in conjunction with meat processors. We take a very customer-driven approach to development. So we're finding those tasks that are very labor-intensive, where we can step in and use technology to make those jobs a little bit easier. And right now, while we're working towards that product unveiling, we're taking the opportunity to pause and ask some really hard questions like, with what we know today and having the capabilities we have, is there a better process, a better way, a better tool? How would we do things differently than what we do today? Brittany, uh, obviously you and I got connected by the Combine, a group here at Innovation Campus, where uh, we get a call one of our offices home here. Uh, talk about the role that the Combine has had with working with you all. Yeah, the Combine and Invest Nebraska have provided us with just tremendous value both through the doors they've opened and through the opportunities to co-work and network with other entrepreneurs in agriculture. We have a space at the Combine, and then their networking events have also been extremely valuable. And just the ecosystem and guidance that the Combine provides entrepreneurs is really an incredible opportunity for anyone who's looking to start a business in Nebraska. That is Brittany Wunderchenk, the Director of Business Development for Marble Technologies, broadcasting inside the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Bryce Duske reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska State Patrol. Clay Patton with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. We look at the closing grains with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Weekend Grain. And John, kind of a mixed trade today. Corn and soybeans, though, do end back in the green, but it's pressured back on the wheat market. What brought about this selling? Was it a little bit of cross-spreading in the market? John, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time hearing you, buddy. There we go, John. As we kind of come into it, we have wheat coming in lower to it. Was this some cross-spreading overall in the market? Yeah, I think that's probably what you're seeing mostly. The you know, markets are, are preparing for next week's Wazoo report that is going to be volatile. Uh, last few years, we've seen drastic moves on the uh, on the numbers. 2014 to 2019, that number that was always down. We see the market flush on that. But in the uh, in the last few years, we, last year we saw it bullish and. Uh, you know, if we can get a move again, I think we can just room for some upside, at least in the soybeans. And we did see soybeans with that nice flash sale this morning, 300,000 metric tons going forward. Looks like export's pretty good. Do we think China's maybe already starting to load on some of those new crop beans? Well, looks like we may have uh, lost John Payne. We'll try one more time. John, do you think China's loading in on some of these new crop beans, given the fact we saw that large flash sale this morning from USDA? Uh, 
As we try to reconnect with John again, though, kind of a mixed pattern overall. Way to get out export sales out this morning. Of course, old crop sales were coming into the end of the marketing year. Not all that strong across the board. But then coming back, we did see the flash sale this morning. USDA announcing 300,000 metric tons of soybeans sold to unknown destinations. So several analysts pointed to the possibility of that being China as well. Uh, again, seeing the new crop sales be fairly strong. But export uh, shipments for corn, nearly uh, 1.41 million metric tons, up slightly from the previous week china taking in over nine hundred thousand, so some very strong export numbers there and physically still being able to ship the grain showing very positive that china is trying to take delivery as much as possible of what it has on the books albeit it still may have to roll some back over to that next marketing year just given the fact we do still see some shipping delays coming in though at the midday did sound like south america was starting to resolve some of its trucking strike issues so that keeps continues to keep things moving for south america though physically moving grain still kind of somewhat constrained as drought issues continue to affect river levels so that then they have to load ships lighter so that way they can actually continue to float and not sink as far given those uh, bottom of the rivers coming up closer so again some issues still there on their shipping department shipping costs continue to be high or appear to be high as they're coming out here and towards the end of the year still uh, the u.s dollar index having a little bit of a rally yesterday holding on to most of those gains just down about three ticks that is a check of the closing markets on the rural radio network Thank you, Clay. That'll wrap up Midday on this Thursday. Of course, you can check out the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Devaney Motors. Wherever podcasts are available or krvn.com. Coming up in less than four minutes is the latest from the KRVN Newsroom, brought to you by the Nebraska Aviation Trade Association.